Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have somebody with me today that I actually got to see uh, perform live on stage, and I was so impressed that I said, he's got to meet all of you. Um, he's a fellow cop and uh, a trainer and a real hard worker, but he's also a professional comedian and in a profession where things aren't all that funny right now. Um, Vinny Montes, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me very much. Thank you. So you are, let's talk first about your police career. Um, sure. How long have you been a cop? And, and as I always get asked, why'd you become a cop? Well, those are two questions I get asked a lot. So thanks for asking them. First of all, I've been a cop for an actual police officer for 24 years. Uh, but I started my career much earlier than that at the age of 14 as a law enforcement explorer. And I guess growing up, my idols, quite frankly, were Ponch and John um, watching chips when I was growing up. And I was like, you know, one of these days I wanted to be one of those guys. I always thought I was going to be riding a motor somewhere. I, I'd probably kill myself if I got on a motor today. But um, yeah, that's where it all started at. That's awesome. And I, so I just have to tell you, I, too, was a police explorer. Oh, and, wow. That's uh, amazing. And I'm a little older than you, so my heroes were, you know, Adam-12 and Dragnet and all that. But I think a lot of us are probably more than would admit, a lot of us are cops because we watch too much TV as kids, right? Yeah, probably. But although I do love the, I do love the old uh, Dragnet series. It's pretty darn good, so. Absolutely. So you decide to become a police officer again of a, a very and I, you know, I want to tell people you're in a, a large sheriff's department in Colorado. You're a real yes. deal cop. Yep. And uh, police work's not always funny, uh, although it is to us. Right. And that's yeah. probably something I think we're going to talk about. But but, you no, know, people... we're we're not seeing a lot of real funny stuff when people call 911 and when, you know, tragedies involved or accidents. How did you start to attach comedy to your police career? Well, it comes from a very dark place. And I think if a lot of comedians, you ask them where their comedy comes from, it, some of them would tell you the very same thing. I lost a young man. Um, let's go back even further. You know, early in the 90s, when I was riding around with deputies that were um, my advisors and mentors before I even became a cop. And also in my early years of being a cop on the street, nobody really talked about mental health. Um, nobody talked about, I think there was a big, and still is in a lot of cases, taboo surrounding talking about what you see, taste, smell, hear. And I really was one of those people who didn't listen to the people who were around me, like, you know, take care of your mental health. You know, the sheriff that I work for now, he was instrumental, like trying to reach out to me. And I was just like, I'm good, I'm good. And I found myself saying that because I think a lot of people, including myself, are afraid to admit that you're struggling at times, which then creates this cyclical effect of you getting worse and worse. And so that was all encapsulated and came to a head in 2008. I lost a young man in the canyon. I was off duty. I came across this accident. I tried to save this kid who stopped breathing. I couldn't do it. I blamed myself. It was just an excuse. And the catalyst that started me to circle the drain and it took a lot of me to actually sit down and finally reach out to counseling and start accepting some of those things that were happening and comedy was my way out of that like I was so attached to the job if you would have asked me I was like da, 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 I'm a cop man you know 
and having that single identity almost was the end of me just because I didn't have that balance in my life. And comedy offered me something other than being a cop. Although I do talk about stories sometimes about being a police officer, it's not my full identity. And I tell you to this day when I'm on planes and I meet people for the first time and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a stand-up comic. It really opens that door because most of the time when people, you know, you tell them I'm a cop, they're like, okay, well, hey, nice talking to you. And you just alluded to it a minute ago. People don't call 911 for good things. They don't be like, hey, you know what? We're having our 50th anniversary. Send the boys over and the gals over. We're going to have some cake. <laughs> Nobody calls for that. It's only yeah. when the fights break out, uh, all that stuff. So it's just, it, that is in a nutshell. I mean, it's very, I could go on for hours about this, but that's in a nutshell what brought me to the world of comedy. Well, and so now you are uh, you are deep into your law enforcement career. You're also deep into your uh, comedy career. So I yes. just want folks to uh, I just want them to see uh, what you do on stage. Uh, I am a big guy. I like to lift weights. Uh, if you ever see me running after somebody and you happen to see that site, hit them with your car because they're wanted for a serious crime. <laughs> I mean, this is not foot pursuit material is what I'm saying, right? I mean, downhill, we got a good shot at it, right? Stopping will be a problem. <laughs> oh, you guys are good. I'm gonna switch it up here because you guys like that. Well, I'm gonna, this is what we're gonna do. I didn't know I was gonna talk about this, but we're gonna talk about it. Millennial cops are entering the police force. <laughs> I'm gonna say it one more time. Millennial cops are entering the police force. So Vinny, you are a really funny guy and I, I want people to, to know that about you. Um, but first I wanna talk about uh, your more serious message, which you sure. do a really good job of balancing it. And that is, you know, look at your shirt, humanizing the badge, right? Understanding yes. that we are people too, and that, yes, we have a mental health issues. As you know, we die over twice as often as our own hand as we buy, do by felonious assault. Absolutely. And it's not, you know, and it's not just suicide, but it's, but, you know, it's depression, it's addiction, it's divorce, it's, you know, all kinds of things, other family issues. Right. Um, how, you know, how are you helping people and yourself deal with that you know through not just your comedy but your notoriety well i think that's done on several levels so the first and foremost is let's just talk about my agency of thin my agency so i put on some of our in-service training where i've talked about you know what i've gone through in my career and i'm very open about it and the fact that i was ashamed to talk about those things and two you know, I'm a commander where I work and I think, you know, I do it in briefings. I talk about taking care of your mental health. I, I'm part of our, well, not part of, I, I run our FTO program on patrol. And when new people come into the organization from day one, I'm open about taking care of your mental health, having a fine balance. I mean, don't work all the time. And I'm passing that on and being very open about it. And I'm very open about my story because I think that people have to see that example set very high and that it's okay and you're in an environment where you can, if you're struggling with stuff, you know, it's hard. We had a young um, deputy who recently uh, cut a, uh, got on a scene where the car was on fire. She tried to cut the seatbelt and get the driver out and 
she pulled the lady out of the back who was deceased and uh, she ended up getting the silver star for her heroism because she almost got caught on fire in this thing. But we debriefed that with our group that following week during our briefing. And after that, we also offered resources and we had people reach out to her from our internal peer support team. I've talked to her, talked about, hey, it's okay to feel this way. Sometimes people just need to hear and get the permission that, hey, it's okay and it's safe to talk about this stuff and not they're not going to be scrutinized. We're all in this together. And I wish I would have had some more people that were like that. So that's what I'm doing on the local front in my home in my home area. The other thing I'm doing is I'm a big advocate across the United States and wherever I perform and travel. I always take time like I did at the show you were at to talk about that and to try to reduce the stigma surrounding mental health and dealing with your mental health and owning some of the shortcomings that we all have. And I truly mean all of us, including myself. People have an opportunity to hear me and they see me as a comic and a professional police officer, but they're also able to say, hey, you know what, if this guy can do it, maybe I can do it. And I've had a lot of people come up to me after shows and say, you know, I really appreciate you saying that. I didn't feel like I was okay to feel this way. But hearing a person who's in that role uh, as a full-time officer and also a stand-up comedian able to just be open and honest like that in front of so many people. And uh, also I'm part of a lot of organizations called Humanize the Badge. We have um, Call for Backup, uh, which is an option for people to reach out for help. And I'm part of a lot of organizations. I perform routinely for the bridge in Ohio, which is for first responders and their spouses to come to to kind of deal with some of those things that are really plaguing the relationship that you alluded to, including substance abuse, um, divorce, all those things which you just highlighted. And you're right, we lose way more officers to their own hand than we do to line of duty death. So I am doing my small part to try to help out in that area. And I believe that when you, when you are seeing other people that have shared your experience in some way, some fashion where you can relate to it, it makes it okay because you feel like you're not the only one. And I think that's where I was early on is I was like, man, I, if I show weakness, then my partners aren't going to think that I'm okay to back them up. And that's not the truth. Um, there are men and women to your left and to your right around the country who will help you. And there's plenty of places to get help. Well, and like you said, when you and I went to the academy, <clears throat> we were told, you know, A, this job is going to be your whole life and we expect it to be your whole life. And, uh, and B, you know, don't talk about it when you go home and, and C, you know, buck up there, kiddo, you know, let's, you gotta be <laughs> tough. You're going to see bad stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and we have learned that, you know, that's just the absolute wrong way to handle uh, law enforcement, mental health. Now, let me ask you this, because you are, um, you're not just a police officer, you're a leader in your organization, you're a manager. So right. what is it that you believe law enforcement managers need to do a better job of when, and I know it's a huge question, right? No, um, no, it's a great one. Yeah, what, what can our law enforcement leaders do to better support their personnel? And not just cops, right? Dispatchers, right. everybody, awesome. community service officers, animal control officers, everybody in the organization. How can police leaders better support their mental health uh, initiatives for their personnel? So that is such a great question. And you just alluded to it a minute ago. Where it starts is with checking yourself. Let me tell you what I mean by that is, you know, you just said when we were in the academy, you know, and I, and I totally remember this, you know, where uh, the mentality was, you know, suck it up, buttercup. And there wasn't really that dialogue. You know, people wanted to show that they had this bravado and they could handle the tough scenes. And I remember being a 16-year-old kid writing with a deputy who passed away from his own hand. Um, 
and this was later on after he left the agency and, and the people end up taking in their lives. They don't tend to be the cops that are just hanging out. They're the SWAT people, the FTOs, the people who really devoted their life to the organization. Mm -hmm. I remember riding with him and uh, we went to this accident where this lady was ejected and it was the first time I helped carry a body. And I remember getting home that night and being like, man, I've really seen it. I'm there, you know, gosh, I'm really in the mix. And that was so wrong in so many levels, but here's what the answer to your question. <clears throat> we can know, I say, check yourself. You can no longer think the way we thought in the past. As a manager, as a leader, as a commander, whatever your rank is that you were in that leadership role, you have to come to terms with the fact that it's different today. I got myself in trouble early on as a commander by referring to, you know, back in the day, we used to do that. And it just really turns people off. We have to be able to accept today's today, right? Yesterday was yesterday. We still, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to say about the awesomeness that we did learn and grow through, but today is to today. You can't apply the same set of standards like we just talked about that you and I were brought up with to the current generation of law enforcement. One, it will shut them down and you're not going to be able to reach to them. And your primary job is to have great communication with the people that are coming into the organizations today. It doesn't matter that maybe you don't think a little bit different than we do, but you have to be willing to be open, honest, and allow them permission to deal with the things that they're dealing with today. It is a it is a much tougher environment in some aspects, not all, to come into law enforcement in 2022. So you just have to acknowledge that fact with everything going on in social media across the country, you know, um, what just happened in Ovalde, you know, it's always, we're taking blows from all sides at different times, but you gotta be willing to say, look, it's okay. Um, thank you for your coming into the service and not put that expectation that we had on ourselves on them, treat them for who they are today, support them, tell them they're going to, we're going to help them get through whatever crisis they need to. They need to know that they have that support. I cannot tell you how many deputies over the course of my career, you know, I don't think the agency would support me. Well, that, that should not be the dialogue going on behind the scenes. It should be, look, if I get into trouble, I should be able to trust the organization that no matter what, as long as I tell the truth, I don't try to hide anything. I will be okay, barring, you know, some grave departure from policy, but people are going to make mistakes and we have to support those people because no true leader in any organization and no good cop ever gets to be an expert or a master of this field without having, I call it dents in your armor. You're not going to show up with a pristine shield. You're going to have plenty of dents taking those hits along the way. It's just supporting people through that. You're still going to, one time, and I, I know this is going to take away, but one time I crashed a car uh, when I was a pretty young deputy and I saw the sheriff the next day at the range and I was like, Sheriff, yeah, I crashed my car last night and he's laughing and carrying on. And uh, I said, man, I'm so glad that you're not upset. I thought I was going to get in trouble. He goes, no, it's funny, but you're definitely going to get in trouble. So there's the accountability, but you can still have that peace where you can be real and not make the person feel so bad. But um, I think that's important as a leader in the organization. I, you know, that is so profound because I think a lot of young police officers now, well, a lot of current police officers think I have to perform absolutely perfectly. And that's kind of what the media expects and the activists expect and all that is that police officers, you know, cannot make mistakes because very often when we make a mistake, somebody gets hurt. Yes, and uh, there is no such thing as perfection. There, is, there isn't. You can strive for it. 
But if you're truly going to master something, I mean, look at any of the people who become NBA superstars or anybody who becomes a master in the field that they choose to pursue. There are so many errors and shortcomings along the way to truly get to that top level. Um, there's, there's no such thing as perfection. And, you know, to, to that end, one of the things that you did after all the, in a post-George Floyd policing world when we were taking so much hate, um, you actually did a, a video that got a lot of people's attention. Talk about that. So uh, it's called To Those Who Don't Know Me. Um, it was a video that encapsulated my feelings in response to everything that was going on. I was very specific and surgical in what I said because it just represented the people who have worked in this profession and said, basically, these are all the things that I've experienced in my career. Don't judge me based on the few actions of a few. Judge, because nobody in this world, including you know people who oppose police, don't want to be judged based on the color of their skin, their what they dress, what they look like. But oftentimes I would think that it gets flipped on its side and we are being judged universally as police officers because we wear the badge, the uniform and the gun. It's all being the same. That's very hypocritical in my evaluation. So I just responded without attacking anybody, just said, hey, this is what I've experienced in my career. This is why I do what I do. And at the end, I asked people to take the time to get to know their local law enforcement personnel, because as you will find, every single one of the people that work in this field, we're all different. And I'm not saying there are not bad cops out there. Of course there are. But those are the few and far between, just like any other profession around this country. And I just ask that people allow me to earn their respect based on the merit of my contact with them and not what you see abroad and apply that broad brush to me. And it was, you know, a lot of people, it was very well received. I know you got a little, got a little hate too, but we all get a little hate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so now here we are, fast forward a couple of years later, what are you, what are your thoughts on the future of policing? Boy, that is a, a tough question. Uh, I am on the precipice of retiring in the near future uh, just because I really want to pursue some other avenues that might be able to have an even broader impact. But what I think is that there are still going to, no matter what happens, there are still going to be vulnerable populations that need law enforcement help. There's always going to be the need for somebody to respond to the call. And so for these young men and women who are coming into this profession today, I have to truly acknowledge that and say thank you for doing so. But I think that um, everything is going to be more uh, CSI kind of. And what I mean by that is everything's gonna be based upon a videotape. I mean, we no longer just have body cameras. We've got car cameras now. We have, uh, everybody expects to see a video of something. So I think things are gonna become a lot more uh, forensic in that in that respect. And I think that's actually somewhat good because I can't tell you a lot of people still this day, I travel around the country. They're like, we don't have body cameras. I'm like, well, I hate to tell you you're behind the time. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of our people, when we first went to body cameras and all that stuff, were like, Oh, you know, this is not good spying on us. Well, uh -uh. as an administrator, I've cleared more deputies in a short time by looking at a body camera footage than anything. It protects them way more than it hurts them. Um, so I think, I think that in the future, law enforcement is going to have to be um, akin to a lot of change. 
we are we are in this new age world of cameras and video and all that stuff and i don't know honestly what it's going to look like but i think that it's there's a lot of change coming and i know the things that um cops hate the most are change and the things that always stay the same and so and so uh you know that'll be a little bit tough for our profession because cops are used to their routine you know we put on the uniform the same way every day we like our cars a certain way our war bags a certain way um that's all okay but i will just tell anybody who's listening to this is be open to the change you don't know what's going to happen because you haven't experienced it yet you know some of you probably hated eating certain things when you were younger uh I know I did, but as I got older, I was like, hey, this is not so bad. And in fact, I do like this new thing. It takes getting acquired and accustomed to things sometimes. Just be open to that coming into the future. Be open to the change. You never know what it's going to get and how it's going to benefit you and your colleagues. So that would be my only um, fortune telling for the future. Vinny, in the minute we have left, uh, who's your favorite audience to perform in front of? <clears throat> You know, I love performing in form of in front of law enforcement, EMS personnel. They get my humor. <laughs> and there's also things that I've written, which you got exposed to called dark humor. Uh, it's not for the average crowd because you can't tell that to the civilians because they'll be like, oh my God. But the people who have been in this business, smelled, touched, heard, tasted the things that we have, they really, really get it. Not only do they get it, they it really resonates with them because they're like, this guy knows what we are going through. And that dark humor is what keeps us moving forward. You are absolutely right. Vinny, where can people find you? You can find me anywhere on social media, everything, Snap, Twitter, Google Graham, or just at my website, vinnymontez.com. It's all just under my name. Um, I look forward to seeing people at shows and yeah, it's been, it's been great. Vinny, thanks for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.